the ability to keep pace with or even anticipate the needs of businesses as they evolve is imperative to survival in today's ever-changing landscape. Yet new research shows that more than half of leaders say that their digital strategy is always or often outpaced by the demands of their business. So are today's businesses facing a digital reckoning? And what can they do to close the gap between where they are now and where they need to be? I'm Meg Wright, Senior Editor at Longitude, a Financial Times company, and joining me is Workday's Chief Strategy Officer, Pete Schlamp. Pete, welcome. Hi, Meg. Thanks for having me, and it is great to see you again. Likewise. And look, I think there's no doubt that the past 18 months have forced all business leaders, regardless of where they're located or the sector that they operate in, to really reflect on their digital strategies. How are digital ambitions changing in the world as we emerge from the pandemic? What are some of the things that you're noticing? I was reflecting on that a bit, Meg, and I was thinking, wow, it's it's kind of like we all of a sudden started sprinting a race and that became the new normal, right? That became the pace that we're all running at all the time. And if you're a business leader, you've got to be thinking, I can't keep doing this at this pace forever. It can't possibly go faster, could it? And I think that that's probably right. It's it's not going to go faster. So for the third year running, Workday and Longitude partnered to conduct a global study of 1,150 senior business leaders. We found that 55% of leaders say their digital strategy is always or often outpaced by the demands of the business, which I find quite fascinating. Why do you think, Pete, that gap between digital ambition and reality is continuing to widen? Before we had any research on it, this is the thing that anecdotally we were hearing from business leaders, and we called it the acceleration gap. And that was this gap between what business leaders wanted to do. Quite often, it was led by the CEO of a business saying, here's what we want to do. And then the leaders underneath the CEO saying, we don't have what it takes to achieve that. And often that's it's systems. The systems aren't in place, but it's, it's sometimes it's more than that. It's skills. It's skills of the people around the business. It's the process that they have in place. It's the culture of the business itself. And I think that those things together create this gap between what they see they need to do and what's actually possible within their business. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're a business that uh, knows that you need to hire, you need to add a hundred new employees per quarter to your business. And you had all the systems and the processes and everything before to be able to add maybe 150 people to your business per quarter. And that was great. But then all of a sudden, we come out of the pandemic and now we're in the the great resignation. And now you're losing maybe 80 people a quarter, but you also still need to add that 100, 180. Now all of a sudden, your system that you had, all these processes you had, aren't going to be adequate anymore. And the, that gap is just not achievable anymore. So the needs have gotten harder. The gap has gotten bigger. And this is the situation that um, business leaders are being faced with today. Yeah, which I think naturally begs the question, so how can leaders overcome that gap? Especially if we're talking, as you did just there, the great resignation is obviously something that we're seeing increasingly, especially in the US market. We're seeing that IT infrastructure perhaps is not keeping up with the sort of scale of this move to new working models and the way that businesses are now needing to operate. What are some of the things that businesses can do to start to address this gap head on? This is something that we speak to our customers about quite a bit. Um, We also... 
uh, to be honest, just as a business leader myself, we've we've dealt with ourselves in our own business, and uh, we came up with what we call seven imperatives. It's seven things that we think that companies can do to really close that acceleration gap. I'll kind of run through them really quickly. Continuous recalibration. That's the ability to go through planning, execution, and analysis and figure out what's working and what's not. Next would be running in the now. What does that mean? That means instead of having to wait for other functions around the company, making sure that we've broken down those silos and make sure that everybody's together. Mitigating uncertainty with all of your data. So that's, again, it's related to breaking down silos, but it's bringing all the data together so you've got this complete picture of your business. Being able to rewire processes and days. Number five, shaping a new future. That's being able to look at different scenarios in the future and figure out what you want. Elevating human performance, which is using ML and AI. And then finally, being able to measure all of this with real-world impact. So, you know, it really takes a lot. And, and there's a lot of different things that leaders can do to make that work. So I think what's really interesting about all those points that you've just outlined is they really cut across not just the entire business, but a number of different business functions. And what I found really fascinating is that our study shows not only a clear need for improved data capabilities, and you've just touched on a couple of them there, but also a really strong correlation between data accessibility and digital progress. And I think, as I say, this speaks to the entire business. So when we asked what would improve planning, reporting, and evaluation cycles, finance leaders pointed to unified and usable data. When we asked where they'll be focusing investment in order to keep up with business needs, IT leaders said technology to unify data and break down data silos. And when we asked how they will ensure that workforce skills are really fit for future purpose, HR leaders said unifying people, finance, and operational data will be really critical and is top of their list. So with all of this in mind, to what extent are the leaders and businesses that you work with really harnessing their data to its fullest potential to enable them to run in the now and, as you say, to be able to work in this way that the new world of work will demand? You know, I love uh, data, Meg. It's actually what I've been doing in a business for more than a decade, and I've learned a few things in that time. One is it's very rare that companies have all of the data that they need in one location. And having half of the picture often is worse than <laughs> um, it's worse than not having anything at all because you can make bad decisions if you don't have the, the complete picture, right? The second part, though, is, uh, is making use of data. And most businesses lack the people and the skills to actually interpret the data that they have in front of them. This is clearly a skills gap. And it's, you know, it's data literacy. It's, okay, I, I might have a data warehouse filled with things, but what are the questions I need, even need to ask of that data to answer what I need to do as a business, right? So I think we've got a skills gap there. The other thing on, on data, though, is uh, realizing that there is so much data today that we're never, as humans, going to make sense of it all. We're never going to use it to its fullest extent. So we really do need to start leveraging machines to do that for us. And that's what ML and AI uh, allows us to do. But then 
that brings up a second problem again with skills, which is if you thought it was hard to get analysts just to understand the data that's sitting right there in front of you in your business, you know how hard it is to hire data scientists? <laughs> they are uh, some of the rarest people out there. The skill is, is really, really hard to find. And so finding systems that have ML and AI built into them already, where you don't have to go out and do bespoke modeling, for instance, yourself, is really, really important. It's a really good point, actually, because I think a lot of companies fall into the trap of thinking, we've got all the data, so now we have the answers. And you're right in the sense that data can give you the answers, but only if you know what questions to ask, which data to look at, how to then extrapolate insights from that data to reapply that within your business. Are there any examples that spring to mind of companies that have really harnessed the last 18 months to overhaul the way they use data within their business? I think that honestly, every every sector is is taking advantage of data and really moving to digital, whether it's financial services, whether it's retail and hospitality. Actually, one of the interesting kind of bright spots that we've seen recently is, is actually the government and state and local government, which you know, sometimes has a reputation of being a slow mover, um, actually has been adopting new digital technologies much faster uh, than they have in the past. And so that's, I think, a really encouraging sign. You know, let me point you actually, though, on on the side of uh, financials, because there's one company I love to talk about, which is H&R Block. As, you know, the year comes to a close and we're all starting to think about, what's how much tax do I owe? H&R Block is this amazing uh, business who has had a, a business with people walking into their stores, you know, around here in the United States, around the country, in our, in our local malls, etc., and all of a sudden, the pandemic hit them, and they realized people aren't able to walk into the malls anymore. They're not able to go into, into stores. And so H&R Block decided, we want to become known, instead of being a tax company, we want to be a digital company. And so they have moved all of their systems to digital. Um, they've got a multi-year transformation process that they have it in front of them to, to move to digital. And really, to, to be known, instead of a, as the company that has the all the stores on, you know, on every street corner to the place where you go to get your financial advice in the cloud, especially when it comes to taxes, which I think is a really interesting transformation and um, only possible because of the, the technology that we have. And actually, we've seen so many sectors have to shift gears in that way in the last 18 months. I mean, some such as maybe hospitality and transportation have taken what I think has been aptly termed a pandemic pause, while others, perhaps such as financial services and technology, have had to grapple with stronger performance, but in tandem with new modes of working, such as the example that you just gave. As a result, some say digital is accelerating, while others say that it's really slowing down. But either way, I think there's really consensus that there is this gap between the demands of the business and where its digital capabilities lie. And businesses really need to take a more measured approach to their future plans in light of that. I'm wondering, what do you make of the changing pace of digital that we've spoken about and what we can anticipate moving forward? The reality is, is we're going to be transforming for the foreseeable future. I, I, I hate to say forever, but I would say for the foreseeable future, to be honest with you. We've just become used to it as part of what we do on a on a um, daily basis. And then I would also say that there's really no shortage 
of opportunities to continue to transform. I was thinking about this the other day, and I was thinking about the the humble spreadsheet and all of the things that we have in our daily business that still rely on spreadsheets, right? I'll, I'll give you an example. So, uh, Meg, we were talking earlier about planning, executing, and analyzing, or PEA cycles, as we call them, and the ability to do continuous recalibration. The vast majority of planning in businesses is still done using spreadsheets. Huge opportunity for us to go and continue to transform there. You know, every time I see a spreadsheet, when I talk to somebody, I think, here's an opportunity. <laughs> here's an opportunity, <laughs> you know, to digitally transform a business, automate things, make things more secure, uh, have better control over them, uh, more automated. You know, so much opportunity to automate things. It also gives me hope, um, right? It gives me hope that, we, uh, that we'll continue to find more efficiency and, and be better businesses. Sort of thinking about the pace of change then and this idea that it's going to continue, I'm wondering which trends you're actually most excited for in the coming 12 to 24 months. If you are a betting man, and I'm not sure if you are, Pete, but if you are a betting man, where are you going to be placing your bets? <laughs> I am a betting man, but only when there's good odds. Uh, so <laughs> I try to, I try to um, choose my bets carefully. You know, there's, um, there's a couple areas that I'm looking forward to over the next couple of years. One is the office of the CFO. We know, and Meg, some of the research that was just done here proves out that the office of the CFO has not transformed as much as other leaders within the organization, right? But we know that those same leaders were faced with really hard situations when the pandemic started. All of a sudden, everybody's at home. They've got to close the books for the first time with everybody remote, people not looking at each other in the eyes, for instance. They've got to make payroll all of a sudden without being in the office. So they were faced with all these challenges. They're coming out of the, the pandemic and saying, we can't go forward like this anymore. We know that we need to transform. So I think that the office of the CFO is going to accelerate their pace of change quite a bit. The second area that I am really excited about is the new world of work and that means a lot to a lot of people, but there's, you know, for me, there's kind of two, two aspects of that one. One is how and where people are working. Uh, like today, you and I are sitting in two completely different places in the world in, um, in various offices. You're actually in a beautiful uh, studio there, but we're all now able to work where we need to work. And that's causing all sorts of changes to the way that businesses need to operate. I'm excited, you know, at Workday, one of the things I'm excited about is, is us doing what we call Workday Everywhere, which is putting our software everywhere customers need to be. An example of this would be using Slack or Microsoft Teams. So if you're inside Slack or Microsoft Teams, both two collaboration tools, which have just gone through the roof in the last couple of years, and you want to do something like you want to take time off, then you just go over to the Workday app within Slack or Teams and say, I want to take time off and you can get it done right there without actually having to go into software. And so that's just a concept of changing where you work. And then the second part of the changing world of work is, and this gives me a lot of hope as well, is the voice of the employee. Suddenly the voice of the employee is so much more important to business. What employees feel about uh, their choices about how they want to work, when they want to work, what they're 
company has as their purpose, what they believe in, what they represent. All of those things are really interesting and, and companies are starting to pay attention to it a lot more. Again, in this area, this is an area that we've invested as well. We, we have a product called Workday Pecan Employee Voice that allows companies to reach out to their employees and actually create anonymous conversations between them and, and hear what's really on people's minds. In this day of, of the great resignation, people are voting with their feet, right? If, if the company's not listening, if they're not creating those conversations, it becomes a bigger problem for businesses. So I'm really excited about watching what happens with that. And, um, and frankly, I'm, I'm optimistic for the employee of the future. Yeah. Pete, a really insightful conversation and I think a great note to end on. So thank you very much. As ever, I have enjoyed our conversation today. Meg, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'll see you soon.